Notepad goes dark, Game Pass's rebrand, and widgets, they have a new home. Happy Friday, friends! Hopefully your week was as wonderful as mine because the weather outside is so... Wait, wait, actually, well, actually, it's supposed to storm tonight, so the weather outside is kind of frightful, but hopefully on the other side, things will be more delightful. Either way, I hope your week was as wonderful as mine, and uh, it's we're, we're an interesting time because we're sort of on the back end of the trebuchet of news that happens uh, in the mid to late fall season where everybody's trying to get out all their holiday goods, and so now we're sort of just coasting towards... Uh, the ending of the holiday shopping season. And so if you're trying to buy consoles or whatever else, I wish you the best. Uh, but either way, we're sort of in like the, the, we're not the quiet time because there's definitely quite a few things to talk about. But I expect news to slow down here as we sort of coast towards uh, the trade show that is known as CES. So let's just kick it off, shall we? All right, so Notepad is coming out strong in December or whatever. Uh, Notepad has a new quote-unquote redesign or updated design that now includes dark mode. The, the real thing here is that they've included the rounded edges that we're now seeing on all of the other Windows applications now making its way to Notepad. There's dark mode, and so for those Team Notepad users, this, this seems like a pretty safe update. I know there's always a little anxiety when Microsoft touches Notepad because it just needs to be Notepad, and so I think they did this one okay. I think they did this one okay. So anyways, that is now out and or available in your locale. Uh, Microsoft showed off new widget experience in Windows 11. So you might be familiar, or might not, I don't know. In Windows 11, there's that, it's honestly an ugly icon that sits next to the start button, click it, and this giant widget world opens, and it's like half your screen or whatever. Now, back on Windows 10, they had this neat little thing, like a widget, I don't know whatever you want to call it. It was a little thing that just sat on the taskbar and showed your weather or stocks or whatever, and it just kind of rotated. It was actually kind of nice. Then Windows 11 comes along and they removed it. Now it's sort of back that like that experience if you're familiar with the windows 10 thing is now back and it's on the windows 11 taskbar in the bottom left corner so if you still have mouse muscle memory or whatever we're calling it these days to go to the bottom left and clicking that might be a problem because now you might be opening widgets but if you slide your your buttons all the way back over to the left uh it does still then look like a it looks like a sun if it's the weather icon or whatever um, but it looks like bottom left is where they are putting these things and experimenting. No word on when this is going to ship to everybody. It's only on the the fastest, or the what used to be known as the fast ring, but now is known as the dev, but definitely not alpha, but dev insider channel. And so you can go check that out. I expect this to roll out to the other, I don't know, builds here in the near future. But we'll see how long it takes for Microsoft to actually bring this up to the proper, you know, top level version of Windows 11 that is shipping to everybody. And this just sort of brings this ongoing narrative of that we still don't know of how Microsoft is going to service Windows 11. We know from like a, a support standpoint and, and security and all that, but like this widget experience as an example, Microsoft has told us time and time again, they have multiple ways of updating the OS. Is this widget experience going to be one of those things? Like, I mean, I can't imagine they're going to wait a year to ship this, but maybe they will. Maybe they will. Anyways, uh, it looks pretty good. I think, I think this is sort of where I was hoping they would head, and it does appear that they have done so. Uh, Microsoft has a new collab uh, with Pantone, and they've created a new color or, or new theme element for Windows. It's called Very Perry. It's a color, uh, sort of like a purple-ish color. Uh, light purple. It, it looks like it, I have no problem with the color. It actually looks honestly pretty good. And so this color is going to start showing up. Uh, there's new wallpapers. There's new theming elements. It's going to show up in Teams and other places. And so it's very, very Perry. Uh, you know, not Katy Perry, but very Perry. 
uh, very Perry. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. Would not surprise me if I am uh, obliterating what that color is supposed to be. But anyways, if you see a new purplish color floating around the Microsoft world, it's called Very Perry or something like that. Uh, there's also a new video uh, API for DirectX 12 that is now native in Windows 11, so video playback for those certain types of experiences should be improved. There is now also a OneDrive sync client natively for Apple Silicon and Windows on ARM, so now your OneDrive will be running a little bit more natively on both Windows on ARM and on a Mac M1, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, on a bit more of a serious note, uh, Google says there is a bug with Teams and Android which can cause 911 calls to fail, so just be on the lookout that if you have Teams on an Android device, you might want to go look into this a little bit deeper to see if your specific handset and or Android OS iteration is impacted by this bug. Obviously, it's pretty serious because if you're dialing 911, things have gone south and you need assistance. So just be on the lookout for that. And also in the most confusing news of the week, uh, Microsoft is tempting software pirates with a 50% discount. So if you've pirated a version of Office, Microsoft's now saying, look, here, here's, look, we know you stole this. Uh, how about here's a legitimate offer to save 50%? Which is a terrible thing to do. Let me explain why. It might be somebody sat in a boardroom and said, "Well, you know what? That's a this is great. We're gonna we're gonna tempt those people who have stolen our software, and maybe we can get some dollars out of them, and that's gonna be great. And maybe they will. Maybe they will. On the other side, if you need to go buy Office, here's what you could do: go pirate Office, and then you'll get a fifty percent off offer. So that way, you don't even have to pay full retail. Just go steal the thing and just dodge the authorities until whenever, and then you can get a fifty percent off coupon. I don't recommend that, and I'm not a, saying you should. Um, don't hold me legally responsible for that. <laughs> but, that, but I mean, that's effectively what their Microsoft is, is announcing, or not announcing, but saying when they do these sorts of things, they're saying, hey, look, if we pirate our stuff, we know you're not going to give us any money. You know, um, I, I understand where they're coming from, but the actual, it's one of those monkey paw things, right? It's like, okay, we'll get some money from the people who pirate our software. It's money we never would have gotten anyways. That sounds great. And then everyone who's looking at Peng's like, well, I'll just go steal it. And then I'll just get 50% off and bada bing, bada boom. I just saved some dollars in December. And now I can put those towards something else or back in the bank. Whatever you want to do with your extra dollar dues or mini fridge units. Either way you want to look at it. So those are the big tech headlines. Gaming news. There was quite a bit of news. The video, video games award uh, show was last night. Not going to ruin any of the surprises. Uh, we did see some new Hellblade uh, trailer. Uh, I believe we're also getting Crossfire in February. Uh, but I'm not going to ruin any who won the awards because I know not everybody watched it. And so you can go look it up on their website and see who won all the awards. Um, we'll, just, we'll just say that. So uh, a couple things. So Halo Infinite is obviously out the door and now playable. You've got single player. You've got multiplayer. You've got all the player experiences except for co-op and forge. Um, so, ooh, I just kicked myself or kicked the chair here. Anyway, so you've got all these things. You've got them all. And so I am I'm quite a ways through the Infinite campaign enjoying it enjoying it so far so good uh multiplayer i think we all know the the journey there so far still winning on many more playlists but it's all out and it seems to be pretty well received and so if you have xbox game pass you might as well just give it a shot because you're not paying quote-unquote paying extra dollars for it you can go play the campaign for your 14.99 that you paid this month or if you pre-bought and everything else so um good, yeah quite good so some interesting news too came out of the epic and and Epic versus Apple story, uh, the court battles, um, I believe it was The Verge got some hands on some emails as well, digging through the trenches there. 
And so you might remember the saga of Microsoft trying to get Xbox Game Pass onto the iOS device or ecosystem. And they really, they there were all these stories that came out that says Microsoft or Apple wanted them to do every individual game needed to be its own thing, it needed to be its own app and everything else. And so apparently, as it turns out, Microsoft was like, all right, we'll do that. And then Apple like threw up some flags and basically what it boils down to is that Apple just didn't want this to happen in any capacity. They really were just, Microsoft said, look, we'll bring some AAA title games as individual games over. We'll do that. And Apple's like, no, we still don't. We're not going to let you do that either. So as it turns out, Apple was just being a giant jerk. Microsoft obviously did find the workaround through uh, using the web experience. And it's still not great. But it just, as it turns out, to nobody's surprise, Apple was the blocker here. And Microsoft tried their best to do everything they could to get games on there. And even made some promises. But Apple just didn't care. It was never going to do uh, any. It was never going to happen. Let's just put it that way. Based on the communications that I, and the way I interpret it, Apple was just throwing up false flags all the time. Saying, look, you got to go do this. And then Microsoft was like, okay, we'll go do that. Well, no, we're still not going to let you do it. So either way. Um, an update for the Xbox Windows app will now let you play it. No, I should say, will now let you know which games on your PC should run well. So basically they can look at your PC specs and look at what the specs of the Game Pass or, or the titles are there. And it'll help you just understand whether or not your PC can run it. Um, for most people, they can probably tell just by their own specs. Like if you're, if you're still running like a 960 something or like a 9 series GPU, you're probably not running things at 4K. Let's just be honest. And so you know, just... It's pretty obvious stuff, but anyways, uh, one other thing that did come out last night, which we're talking about here, is Microsoft is rebranding Xbox Game Pass for PC. They're rebranding it to just PC Game Pass. So it went from Xbox Game Pass for PC to just PC Game Pass. Now, there's a, you can read a lot into this. First off, I want to take a step back. Microsoft should have known that putting Xbox for things that aren't explicitly on a console does not work out well. Some of you who have been around the Microsoft community for a while might remember Xbox Music. Didn't work out because people associate it. They think Xbox, they think console when they hear music. It's like, what do you mean? The music is this music on the console. And so they ended up having to rebrand it. I believe it was directly to Groove after that. Either way. Um, so putting Xbox things on non-Xbox stuff is a problem. It just it doesn't work out well for the consumer. Shockingly, Xbox Game Pass for PC appears to have suffered a similar fate, that people think that Xbox Game Pass for PC is Xbox console stuff on your PC. While that is partially true, there's more to it than that. So Microsoft announced that they are rebranding that to PC Game Pass. So it's just PC Game Pass. That's that's all that it is now. Um, same, same video games, um, same everything going on. And that's that. So just be be on the lookout if you see that that new branding uh, coming down the pipeline. So uh, jumping over to the questions because always, as always, my favorite part of the week is chatting with all of you folks. Even though it's me chatting, whatever it's like async chat. Either way, uh, Crunchy Frog says I have been a big fan of Roku. I know a lot of people who are big fans of Roku uh, for years now, but with their fiasco they've been going through for months with Google and now potentially Amazon, I'm thinking about moving to another platform. Are there any true agnostic streaming platforms out there that are not owned by big guys that are reasonable to use? Secondly, what streaming platform do you primarily use or prefer? Unfortunately, you're going to run into similar problems on every platform. Like, And let's kind of back up a second here. This type of fisticuff that 
Roku is in with Google is not new. We've, you, we still see this in the cable industry. You might even see things from like your cable provider like NBC, NBC Universal or whatever is not going to be renew their contract and we're not going to be able to stream their stuff. Please call NBC Universal and, and argue with them that you, they should. Um, so this thing, this sort of stuff doesn't go away. And uh, candidly, you're not going to escape this problem holistically. For example, Google stuff, if that's what you want is your best bet is probably a Chromecast. Um, because Google owns the Chromecast experience and, and there shouldn't ever be a licensing disagreement there. But then you're going to run into other problems with other services or, or things like that. Personally, I think most of this stuff should be fine. And I think you should be okay to stay on Roku. What, these, these battles and, and conversations always spill over into the public to get public pressure on both companies. By both com Amazon will do it and Roku will do it to get people to come to the table and come to an agreement. It creates undue stress and annoyance for somebody like you who has bought a Roku. But at, at this time, I don't think I would rip out a Roku installation to replace it with something else. That's just me personally. Now, in our house, we use Apple TVs on everything. Regardless of whatever platform you use, Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, my, my general premise here is, Whatever you pick, put it on all your TVs because you'll have a better experience. For example, I have, I'm married and I have a daughter. And so having one UI interface on every TV saves me a lot of headache from having to go and try to reconfigure things or show people how to use it. And it just kind of, it just makes life easier. And so we use Apple TV. It is not the perfect solution by any means. One, it's more expensive, but we have iPhones and we, it just, it works for us. Now, if I were to do it all over again, I think Roku would still be pretty there because I, I'm a big believer in, in a lot of things. But one of them is if you like a particular product or how things work, or if you need something to work really well on a TV, Roku as an example, if Roku's entire business is to make that thing work well, they have a very invested interest in making sure that thing works well. Apple, on the other hand, while yes, they do make a lot of money from these things, they make most of their money from iPhones. So if their Apple TV line stagnates a little bit, like, ah, eh, whatever, that's not how we make, or, you know, that's not how we pay the mortgage every month. Same with apps, like on a PC. If you like a specific mail app, make sure you're paying for it. That way those people can continue and be invested, like Newton Mail or whatever else you're using. And so that is a way different soapbox than where I started. But the point here is, is that I don't think you should rip everything out with Roku. I think Roku will be just fine. And so these court and these battles just spill over. But this is nothing new for the industry. I can remember DirecTV doing similar stuff. And uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Migi says, uh, what do you think about PlayStation plans for launching a Game Pass-like service? Will they be able to fight against the big colossus that is the Microsoft service? In my opinion, it's good new competition. is always good for the consumer. So... I get a lot of a lot of thoughts here. One is fantastic, fantastic, and and the other one is not surprising at all. Microsoft has made a ton of noise and has a ton of momentum behind the Game Pass model, right? Everyone knows and kind of believes that this is where the industry is headed. So you can either fight it, as such as uh, some vendors might be trying to do, or you can try to adopt it. In with this is what Sony is trying to do, and so you can't ignore these types of subscription models. It's happened in the music industry. We've seen it in other places, and it's only natural that it's going to happen in the gaming space. Now. 
Sony should be able to do it just fine. The question becomes is how, how much content can they get because content is king, and especially in a service like this. And Sony has quite a bit of IP under their belt. So they definitely have the capacity to do it with all of their product. That's definitely something that they can do. The question will become the pipeline of content. Microsoft has invested billions of dollars to make sure that their pipeline is filled and, and is filling up and through either acquisition or everything else. And so that is sort of the, the benchmark of these services. We've all gone to Netflix we're like, ah, oh, there's nothing on Netflix. What, why am I even paying for this? The same thing is absolutely true for a service like Xbox Game Pass or PlayStation Pass, whatever they're gonna call it, PlayStation Plus, Plus minus 365 infinite i don't know whatever they're going to end up naming it um the question becomes can how how long have they been thinking about this like if they just thought about this last month they're like all right we should finally do this it's going to take them some time to get things lined up to be falling into that bucket to make sure that it's sustainable and healthy and growing because that is going to be the lifeblood of it right if sony's investing in this they're changing the model which is always scary they're changing the traditional uh, business model, which is very scary for a lot of people because, hey, just because it's working today doesn't mean it's going to work tomorrow. Microsoft had a massive advantage because, hey, things were going okay, but they weren't clawing into the industry as much as they want. So they really shook up the model and they have a ton of experience with software as a service, not to mention they have just significant cash flow from things like Azure and Office 365 and even Windows to help prop up a pivot through a business model change, which can be scary. So uh, I think Sony will be just fine. They have the content. The question is just coming down to execution. And Sony, uh, for you know, deserves their credit. They are typically pretty good at getting consoles out, doing hardware and marketing. And so I think that they will be okay. Um, Matt Bear says, NFTs and video games. Ubisoft is doing it in Ghost Recon for loot items, and EA has apparently expressed some interest too. Do you think Xbox Game Studios will do anything NFT-related in the future? I hope not. I am not personally a fan of NFTs. I don't, I, I, I don't like what they're trying. Let me step back. I like the idea of artists getting paid for the content that they create, especially in the digital universe. It is traditionally a very hard place to, um, to monetize. You create some art and then you just, if, if it's not through ads in some way, you're kind of screwed. And so I like the idea of NFTs being able to support independent artists who are able to sell and create things in a digital economy. I like that idea. I do not like the the exploitation that is currently occurring with NFTs and just shoving them into everything because it doesn't make sense. I don't like them and I don't like them in video games. I, 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 no, I, I hope Microsoft does not. Phil Spencer has already made some pretty public comments that he does not appear to be on board with the NFT idea. I don't think NFTs are going to... The, the, the biggest problem with an NFT, in my opinion, right now, is that who owns it? Yes, it's like, oh, I paid some money to this vendor to buy it or this auction house to own it, and then it's on the blockchain. But which blockchain is it? And if that company goes out of business, then what happens to your quote-unquote NFT? It's just a like a JSON file in a lot of, a lot of places. And so um, I, I hope Microsoft does not. Let me, let me put it that way. Uh, um, it's an, like the whole Web3 stuff. I like the idea of having decentralized things in certain aspects of the universe. I don't always necessarily agree that, that in finance it is going to go that way because the, re the reason why we have frameworks in the finance community is mostly because of fraud. Uh, you don't might not want to agree with that, but typically that's where regulation comes out. A fraud happens, a regulation occurs because some person or entity got screwed out of a bunch of money. 
And now they're trying to rectify that so that same demographic does not get screwed out of a bunch of money. I'm not def definitely not sitting here trying to, uh, to prop up big government or anything like that, but framework regulation in finance is very important to a healthy economy. And uh, the whole open currency, there's still a lot that is not well understood or well implemented yet and so it's something i find extremely fascinating i love i love economic theory i love it and i read about it way too much it's more than more than good for my own health uh but the cryptocurrency stuff is interesting i think is the best way anyways again off on a tangent here uh dark clown can you fit an xbox inside your uh, Xbox mini fridge. I believe you can't. I have not officially tried this yet, mostly because I haven't been able to unplug my Xbox because I'm playing either Halo Infinite, uh, Halo Infinite, or the campaign, the multiplayer, or still playing Forza, um, or uh, the, the new Pacific map in Warzone. So I'm not unplugging that thing because I, I need it. Um, I, I'm, if I, I have enough time to pull that thing out, I have enough time to play a match or two. So I haven't tried. I'm almost positive that it does fit in there though. Uh, Tourniquet says, hey B-Rad, hope you're doing, hope you are doing great, Tourniquet. With Windows 8 and later on with Windows 10, we pretty much knew where Microsoft was heading into the future, Metro, one core phones, wearables. At the moment, the future is a bit foggy. Uh, do you have any information on what Panos Vision is? It kind of feels like they were moving backwards instead of forwards at the moment. They are a little bit. They've definitely, uh, it, you are exactly right. And they have absolutely recalibrated. You got to remember Windows 10X was a thing. Now Windows 10X is no longer, a, excuse me, I just burped, uh, is no longer a thing. And so we don't have a great vision of like what is five years up from Windows. I think a lot of it will be determined hopefully in the next 18 months. I'm hoping that build might be where we start to understand the better long-term outlook for, for Windows. I will say this though. I, I, we know that Windows on ARM is going to continue to evolve. That is more than likely the roadmap that we are going to hear and see. I'm not expecting to see Microsoft to make any more crazy bets, at least for the short-term period, on refactoring or restructuring Windows or going to a one-core initiative because, let's be honest, they have invested billions of dollars or hundreds of millions, I'm not exactly sure how much, to try to do all of this. I'm not saying that it hasn't netted any fruit uh, in improving Windows. I'm not saying that but it has not substantially improved the bottom line for Windows. You gotta remember, Microsoft is a business. Yes, they need Windows to continue to evolve and they continue to need it to work on devices like this right here, like this Surface Book, and they continue to need it to work on everything. But dump if they dump, let's just say they're gonna dump another $20 billion into Windows in the next five years, are they gonna see substantial revenue increase from that? I don't think so. Now, you could argue that maybe they'll see sustainable revenue from that but i don't know if they're going to see any increase so you got to keep in mind that this is a business at the end of the day and i think windows will continue to evolve but more we're going to see a lot of ui and definitely security stuff but i don't i'm not expecting any major sort of initiatives yet they're just going to keep iterating on what they've done through arm making it work better on lower end and just keeping with the course uh, and then his second part says, have you heard if Microsoft is still working on Windows Core OS and what their current plan for is? I believe they are still working on it or it's being implemented into the core, the core of core of Windows just proper. I believe that is the structure that they're heading to now. And his third part is, are there any news if when Microsoft is going to go back to the foldable form factor for Windows? Even Windows 11 really isn't suitable for the trackpad X fold. Yeah, you're correct. Uh, what about the Surface Neo? Any new? In no, I haven't heard anything new on the Surface Neo. I know that they have not fully abandoned the Surface Neo. Uh, it, it's not like they just shut down the project and, and 
everything is over. I believe the Surface Neo will resurface at some point. I don't know when that is, though, based on the last things that I've heard. Uh, Mr. PKI says, did Microsoft, did Microsoft respond to your video about the Halo release information, or do you think it might still be banned by the 343 leadership? Uh, so uh, what Mr. PKI is here and is asking is, I did a video earlier this week. So stepping back, stepping back to, to recalibrate here, and, and I'll do the short version. Uh, earlier this week, when Halo Infinite campaign launched, Bloomberg had a write-up talking about the difficulties of building Halo Infinite, and they talked to Joseph Staten, and he got some information. Long story short, during that interview, uh, Jason, the, the video game reporter over at Bloomberg, noted uh, that Microsoft, or 343, officially confirmed multiple times, in, especially in this interview, that they considered shipping Halo Infinite in two parts. One, I believe, in 2019, and one part in 2020. And if you jump back at one point in time, I did a video and a write-up about that, saying that Microsoft considered that. And then uh, 343 came out and said, no, that's 100% unsubstantiated. That plan was never considered. And now we're back to square one, where my information was accurate. So I did a video that said, hey, look, my information was accurate, even though 343 called me out as saying it wasn't accurate. Now we know the actual truth is that it was accurate. And that is a long story short. Um, nobody is from 343 has reached out. I'm not expecting them to. I don't really care. My conscience is now cleansed, and I can play Halo Infinite as I, uh, 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 you know, appease, whatever appeases me. I can't even say that right. Uh, uh, Mr. PK, coming in with the sensitive information for the second part. And what difficulty are you playing the campaign? I'm playing it on normal. What is it? it it's like easy, normal, heroic, veteran, or something like that. I am playing the campaign to enjoy the story and just the, the novelty of the first-person shooter. I'm not looking for the grind. Maybe someday I'll go back later and do a veteran, maybe uh, when co-op campaign comes online. Um, but I'm just doing it on whatever the default setting is, and I'm enjoying it. It's the right cal it's the right balance for me, and so I I'm enjoying it. And QNOX with the last question of the week is this: With Microsoft recently updating the visuals for older programs such as Paint, Media Player, and Notepad, do you think Control Panel will be modernized as well? I think it's pretty much stayed the same since Windows Seven. Uh, I don't know if they will. Here's the reason why: I don't think so. First off, set the settings app is the quote-unquote modern update of the control panel. That is where Microsoft is putting all that effort into it. For old hats who are using Windows and supporting 7, or supporting Windows, they know where everything is in the control panel. Like, that is the, the holy grail, the OBD2 port of a, of a car, if you will. They know where everything is. And moving that cheese around is going to make a lot of people angry. So it would not surprise me if Control Panel just stays as it is for the rest of time and Microsoft will continue to iterate on the settings panel inside of Windows and leaving Control Panel off on its own for people who are more comfortable with that experience. And he says, also, what other programs do you think Microsoft will be updating in the near future? That's a great question because we've already now got uh, Paint. We've gotten the video app. We've gotten Notepad. We've kind of gotten mail and calendar. I, I would love to see an actual like real update to mail and calendar. That would be my hope. One that it truly like updates the app and interface and doesn't make it look so uh, Windows 10 like or even Windows kind of 8 like at the end of the day. So that's where I would hope. Anyways, so that wraps it up for this week my friends this is the we're we're heading much closer i i'm gonna say this and then i'll bite my tongue next week when i record this i fully expect next week to be much quieter and the week after that to be just about dead silent we're heading towards the end of the year it's not a great time to make major announcements actually my company itself we announced uh, fences four this week and we knew that we had to get out this week because the next couple weeks like they're, they're dead zones for launching product because you're not going to get any coverage it's just not a good time of the year to be pushing new things out the door 
And so we've got some fun stuff coming to start 11 here in the new year that is already just, just about ready. It's going to hit, um, it's just about ready. We'll just say that. So anyways, folks, as always, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for the questions. And uh, hopefully your week was as good as mine. And we'll catch all of you right back here next time.